Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And this is Mark Vila. And today we're here to talk about a t-shirt business turnaround. Yeah. And from how this was described to me about um, some great notes that Mark's been working on is that if your business feels stagnant or possibly is going in the wrong direction, or maybe maybe even just you're a little bit lost in where your business is going, yeah. you can, this is a way to start where to start and where to continue on to, to actually get your business to be in great condition. Yeah, I was kind of inspired to to look at things this way. Uh, somebody I know is actually a kind of business flipper. Okay. You know, so they, so, so I've helped him evaluate probably two dozen businesses. Is this the restaurant possible guy? No. Okay. Different guy. Okay. Um, so I've helped him evaluate a bunch of businesses, you know, by the paperwork that the owner provides. And you know the reasons that they're selling and going through that whole process. And I thought that if you applied the, the same kind of rules for getting ready to sell a business or getting ready to buy a business, that it just reveals all kinds of both issues and opportunities for growth. Yeah, and the way that um, you described it to me and it really got me thinking about it is if you're trying to figure out on how to um, revamp your house, get it in better condition, make sure everything's upkept well, you can envision yourself, well, if I were to sell my house or get yeah. it appraised right now, what would I need to do? Oh, well, that light switch never works. You know, yeah. I would fix that. And, uh, this and, needs painted. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. always meant to put a deck there. Yeah. Because we're doing all this right now, which is why that appeals to me. So, yeah, I, I, I think that a fresh look, looking at your business fresh with fresh eyes is a great turnaround strategy for any business. Mm -hmm. And it's an exercise that you and I go through on a pretty regular basis. Just taking a look at everything we're doing and going, okay, you know, what should we be doing differently? You know, what's new, what's old? What needs yeah, to and, and actually, um, most successful businesses out there are always doing some sort of reevaluation yeah. of what's going on, where are they? And you know, it's one of the reasons why um, you see like big corporations having all of these levels of employees like stacked down, yeah. you know? So uh, it's because they're constantly, something is always being evaluated. And when, you, when your business is big enough, you've got teams of people doing that. So you have That's a really a, good point. Yeah, you have they have a finance department that processes payments yeah. and does taxes, but then they have a, they have people in that department that are just auditing all the time. And if yeah. you have retail stores, um, I worked in um, when I was like in management in auto parts. An auditor was coming to the store every few months to look at everything. Yeah. And um, you, as a small business owner, probably don't have an auditor and you don't have a financial audit department. So you got to do this stuff sometimes. That's a great, that's a great yeah. way to look at it. Now, this episode is going to be for you. Um, if you are, if your business is struggling right now, especially, you know, if you've lost business during the shutdown here or due to economic conditions or anything outside your control, if you've had a big competitor come in mm -hmm. and take some of your business, if you, um, have a poor local economy, maybe the one factory or the one industry moved out of town, um, or if you've just lost a big customer, you know, any of these things can be triggers that should um, 
inspire you to reevaluate you reevaluate yeah. your business from this perspective. Yeah, and I what I like about this um, is this whole concept is not about um, giving up or having a pity party for yourself no. or anything like that because that's what can happen. And I know plenty of people that and a lot a lot of um, people listening here. They might have one or two customers that are a big portion of their business. Yeah. And if they lose that customer for any reason, you could really feel um, down down in the dumps on it. And you, and this exercise can I think is something that can like lift you out of that. I think so too. So so let's talk about this turnaround evaluation process. Um, the first thing that you want to do is take a look at your business. Um, and like Mark said, just like you take a look at your house when you want to sell it and make mm -hmm. changes. You're going to take a look at your business um, the same way. So getting into actually preparing your business for sale and getting your financials ready specifically can reveal all kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, you may find out that, you know, when you when you go for like two or three years of financials, which is what most business buyers want to mm -hmm. see, um, that your financials exist only in the form of your tax return. You know, if you're a small business and you're just you're running it as a sole proprietor and uh, it's your only income, so it just gets rolled into your regular taxes, you may find that you don't know how much your business made mm -hmm. because it's tied up with your regular income. You know, it's tied up for all these other other things. You may you may not know. Yeah, and, you, and well, and the thing is, you know, it made money because. Um, you stole. You went on vacation, and you still have your house, right? right? So um, it's obvious that you're you've got money coming in, and uh, and what I would say is it's easy to not want to pay attention to that when it's obvious money is coming in. Yes, and right? I, I and I'd say that there's a difference. Yeah. An important difference there is, you know, the if you're preparing your business for sale, is your pitch going to be yes, I make my I make enough money to. Um, to pay my mortgage and go on a, one vacation yeah. a year. Yeah. That, that like is that like oh hey you want to buy my business great like I pay my mortgage and I get to go on vacation. Yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. really not what a buyer's looking yeah. for. They're looking for you know they're looking for the numbers. How much money did your business take in? Mm -hmm. You know how much money did people pay you? How much did the things that they paid you for cost you? You know they, these financials are super important. You may find out that you did make enough just to get by, which is maybe what your goal is, yeah, right? Yeah. No judgment there. You may find out that you're bleeding slowly, mm -hmm. you know, that you're actually, you didn't make as much money as you thought, which is very often the case. Yeah, and um, then then it's just, that's a, a dangerous place to be in because if you do have, like you mentioned, Dick, in the beginning, um, you know, some sort of a struggle, economic downturn, or lose a big customer, yeah. the, the fact that you are already bleeding out slowly means recovering from that's going to be really hard. Yeah, plus, you know, part of the exercise of doing your financials is doing things like um, counting how much inventory you have. Mm -hmm. And maybe you've never done that before. Yeah, and you, I tell you if, you, if we go on to like our Custom Apparel Startups Facebook group and say, hey, who's got boxes of t-shirts that you don't even know what's in there? Wow. Ever, everybody. Yeah. You know, people who are in this business all the time, we, and we've talked to tons of people over the years. Uh, is that everybody says, yeah, I got, I got a closet full of t-shirts. Don't even know. I just, sometimes when I want to make a large shirt and yeah. somebody wants it in blue, I go through there and I find one. Uh, and we're guilty of it. Do we even know what our inventory is in the I, random I will, two boxes? I will tell you no. for sure that when we, um, when we joined <clears throat> forces with Belcat, yeah, um, a year or two ago, 
uh, they had just like a wall of boxes, unopened boxes of blank t-shirts. Yeah. You know, in the warehouse, and, and if you figure, if there's a hundred t-shirts in a box and they cost two or three dollars a piece. Yeah. That's real money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may find that you have all this money tied up in inventory mm -hmm. that um, is going to waste. Yeah, and so I think I'll, they made me think of something, um, is that part of this, what you're talking about doing here is you, it, this is, and this is one small part of it, yeah. you realize that, and then you say, I've got a thousand dollars worth of t-shirts tied up I can do something with, and then maybe you can tailor um, sales or, or, or an order based on getting rid of those shirts. Yeah. I've got clearance shirts you can save two bucks a piece on or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, and you move that stuff out. Right. And, and you, you may look at, and this is kind of the value of doing your financials, preparing a business for sale. Um, it's just as valuable or not. It's, it's knowing your numbers. Mm -hmm. It's just to another degree. Yeah. So what you may find is that, you know, you had a couple of tight cash flow months because you over ordered inventory. Mm -hmm. You may look at all the inventory that you've got and realize that, you know, you could have gotten these pieces from Coleman and company as you needed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to buying, you know, a thousand medium shirts, mm -hmm. you know, and sticking them back there. Um, and it's not just inventory of blanks, although that's a, probably a big one for most of you guys. You're gonna you're gonna go take an inventory of the amount of supplies that you've got, mm -hmm. and it may turn out that you've got expired DTG ink or sublimation ink, mm -hmm. or you may have supplies back there for equipment that you don't own anymore. Yeah, you know, and all of those things are a suck on your space and your cash, um, and your attention. <clears throat> so that's a great exercise for knowing. Okay, this is one area that I can do things differently. You run the business more efficiently. Yeah, if somebody was going to buy your business and they saw that you had um, eight rolls of vinyl in the back that are worth, that you value at $1,000 or yeah. whatever it might be, um, but you don't have a vinyl cutting machine or any process for doing that, the person buying your business is gonna say, well, that portion is worthless to me. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, so what is, in that case, if you saw this doing this exercise, you'd probably try to sell that vinyl. Right. Or just say, say oh, I'm going to buy a cutter. I don't know. Whatever, either, whatever the route you Either way, go, but yeah. you know, uh, most people um, out there use uh, QuickBooks or a program like it to keep track of everything. So if you do have an accountant and you are like religiously keeping your stuff in QuickBooks, um, what it won't tell you is that when you do your profit and loss, when you do your assets, mm -hmm. um, it won't tell you that you've got $2,500. It'll say you've got $2,500 worth of direct-to-garment printer ink. Mm -hmm. It won't say that it's all expired. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got false value on there. But if you're preparing for sale, an intelligent buyer is not going to put up with that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to allow you to use your imagination to fill in the blanks, you know, of how much your business is. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, we're talking about money in the bank. We're talking about inventory. There's a lot of different ways to approach doing your financials. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to talk about them here. Okay. But um, there's but you've got great ton, notes on There's this. great notes. And there's tons of, you know, I mean, Google, like I'm getting my my business ready for sale. How do I do my financials and what does that include? Mm -hmm. and that usually includes an income statement. Um, it includes a profit and loss, um, and it includes a cash flow statement. And if I was going to do, if I was looking at your business to buy, that's probably one of the first things that I would look at. So what, if you don't mind me asking, if you know, what's the difference between, say, like the profit and loss and a cash flow statement? Okay, so uh, good point. If you, uh, when we did our profit first episode, 
Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we brought up the idea that um, profit and loss is something that normally an accountant will do for you based on what you put into QuickBooks mm -hmm. um, once a year. And that is the on paper money that you made okay. for the year, including assets and all that stuff. And uh, what you may find at the end of the year is the accountant says, congratulations, you made a lot of money. And then you look in your own bank account and there's nothing there. Okay. Because right. because it's, right. it's fictitious. It's numbers yeah. on a page. Yeah. The cash flow statement is a measurement of how much money you wrote in checks for a month mm -hmm. and how much money did you have coming in that month. Yeah. So if you have positive cash flow, that means you have more money coming in than you do going out. Um, and if you have negative cash flow, that means that you don't. Yeah. Okay. And, and I guess maybe this makes me think of kind of like... Um, Somebody, if if we, a lot of people have known people like this in their lives, they, ha they have a job where they make like a ridiculous amount of money, yes. you know, like they have a job where they make $350,000 a year, which is a lot for most yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but when in talking to them, they'll say how they're broke because they don't actually have, because all they're spending all of it. Yes. They're not actually taking anything. They don't have anything saved. And every month they're almost bankrupt. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if you, for example, if you have a, you know, a, a loss of employment or if you have a slow month, you might have negative cash flow that month. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because okay. you're not getting, you know, you've got all these um, constant expenses for your rent and for your own paycheck, et cetera, but you don't have any money coming in for customers. Okay. And, and that negative cash flow that month doesn't necessarily, doesn't mean your business isn't profitable. Right. Just during that segment of cash flow segment. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. That's right. So as, as somebody that's looking, interested in buying your business, I want to see, I want to figure out how much extra cash do I have on, have to have on hand? Because I see for the past three years, every November, your negative cash flow. Okay. Right? Yeah. Because you're spending twice as much on inventory getting re ready for sales. Okay. And All right. also, it's a great planning tool for you because what you might learn from this, because that's the point of the exercise, from creating a cash flow statement is um, you might identify those those times of the year where, where you're almost either at zero or negative on your cash flow and prepare for them. Okay. You know, because otherwise it's going to be, why am I always broke in July? Yeah. You know, I don't know. You know, it, it robs you of opportunities to expand. It mm -hmm. robs you of opportunities for taking big clients because you're not looking at your cash flow in and out on a regular basis. So that actually get, makes me think of something, and this is exactly what you would do with it. So my brother, as you know, my brother um, is in New Orleans. Yep. Right? And he, and he works in the hospitality industry there. So he makes a ton of money in the fall, a ton oh, yeah. of money in like winter time, right? And in the springtime, you know, he's make all this money during these times because there's all these parades, festivals, things like that. Yep. In the summertime, uh, there's a dead period. So the people who are successful in that industry there um, pay their rent ahead for the summertime. Gotcha. So during the, during the winter, they they pay like half a month's yeah, extra rent that makes every month. Sense. They pay up on their electric bill, where they actually the electric company owes them money. They actually pay right. up because they're in this cash business. So they're yeah, getting, yeah, yeah. they're getting rid of this cash because also they live in New Orleans, so they know they, 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 they don't they trust themselves it. not to spend yeah. it. Yeah, um, and it. and uh, but in a way, they're just saving their money. Yeah, and sure. in their own way, right? So they're saving their money. Then when it's slow in the summer, they take it easy. They they have money to pay their bills. Yeah, and then they get ready for a time. The people who don't make it there, as it was explained to me, make a ton of money, spend it all, 
and then make no money in the summer and then they're getting evicted and then they just say this town's not for me i can't yeah. do this i'd rather have regular i mean income. i mean so what a, that's what, a, what it is right? what, a, what a great analogy you know for um for right around now if you know you had a super slow month or super slow um two months or three months because of things outside of your control mm -hmm. you know if you you know if you have managed your cash well then you'll have enough to carry you through. And we could see that on the uh, on the CAS group, some people that just flat out went out of business because their cash flow was at or near zero every month. Mm -hmm. They were spending everything that they had coming in so they can't handle a month that doesn't have great income. Yeah, so, and that makes sense to me. So I think this is, um, this is being educated to know you can never predict the future, but yeah. if you know all this stuff, then I gather it helps you make good decisions. It, it, it does. And, you know, some other things that you can do is, uh, you know, you're going to want uh, three years of income tax filings. Mm -hmm. And I like that for all of you in evaluating your business. So it's not anecdotal. Like, I don't remember what I made two years ago mm -hmm. or three years ago, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but if I wanted to find out how successful I've been over time, I'm going to look at that. Mm -hmm. So there may be some surprises, some surprises in there for you, and um, you're also going to want to add up the value of everything in your building, your asset okay. value. Mm -hmm. That's what a buyer wants to know: is how much do you have? You know, how much is all of your equipment worth? Yeah, and and this is uh, so as you're mentioning these things, I'm thinking of all the other things that happen in business that yeah. you don't do and you forget, um, like once you reevaluate your assets, you realize that. Um, you never changed any of your business insurance stuff since you oh, bought yeah. Good all one. these new things, right? Yeah. Another business was going out of business and you got, you know, uh, two printers for like not for cheap. Yeah. Right. And they're worth a lot of money. You didn't do anything about with your insurance. And, it's, you know, a flood comes through and you're uninsured. Yeah. You can't replace that stuff that your your business became dependent on. Yeah. Um, so... If you having that asset, you can start to inventory. You start to understand uh, what you own. Yeah, and, and I'll also say that it's um, this is the opportunity where you take a look at each um, piece of equipment and figure out what it's really worth. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. if you know you bought a you know you bought a direct garment printer nine years ago, mm -hmm. um, and you paid thirty thousand dollars for it. In your head, it may still be worth $30,000. Yeah. In reality, it's worth almost nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's an opportunity for you to deal with the idea that maybe some of your equipment is aging out. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's slowing you down. You know, maybe um, using that same printer as an example, maybe there are printers that are faster now that will allow you to be twice as productive. Yeah, and you could say, why, why is it worth nothing? Yes. You know, well, because it's slow, if it breaks down, it, you might not be able to get parts to replace it. Just like anything, right? Just yeah. like an, anything that's Technology's old. moved on. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's old is going to be a concern with that. Um, and, it, and it, yeah, an embroidery machine, a printer, I mean, yeah. anything that's old can become obsolete on and, you. And this and this, yeah. is the, this is the, you know, again, the basic, behind, the idea behind this is you're in a blank spot in your business mm -hmm. um, you or you want to grow and you can't figure out why. These are all the boxes you have to check to try to figure that out. Yeah. Right? So in looking at your assets, looking at your equipment, it's just another way to say, evaluate your equipment. What are you actually using? You know, what are you not using? What needs to be replaced? What can you sell off? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And then, and then what, like you said, what it's worth. Yeah. You know, at that point in time. So what can you 
as you look at this, you have all this, this is what it's actually worth. Um, this is what I use, this is what I don't use. I don't use this one piece of equipment. It it's actually has some value to it. Yeah. You know, um, so let me just sell that and I can replace it with this newer piece of technology in another portion of my business that's doing better, you yeah. know, um, and now you've got something new that's, again, it increases your efficiency and your speed. You're more profitable. There's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of, it, you can go down a deep rabbit hole in this stuff. I love it. Right. Yeah. So, so I, <clears throat> the last thing I'll say about this part of it is that evaluating your business um, like you want to sell it is just as valuable as what you're saying with doing it with real estate. Mm -hmm. With doing it your car, you're going to clean up your car, you're going to make sure everything's working right. Um, it's going to point to things you'd never see before. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember some of the conversations with this business flipper, like I said, you know, where the, where the business owner really had no idea where their business was at as far as uh, cash flow how much money they actually made, mm -hmm. how much um, inventory they actually had, and that it devalues the business greatly because it hampers the ability to make money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then also, you might find yourself, what's interesting to me, is you might find yourself in a situation where you want to sell all or part of your business for whatever reason that might be. Yes. And if you know this stuff all consistently, then at, then at any point in time where you just say, hey, I've got an opportunity to sell off X part of my business, the sign the sign making portion of my business, yeah, because I'm not really doing that as much, but it's a business in and of itself. You know all these numbers, you can jump on an opportunity that comes your way. Yeah, you've. I think I keep thinking about I'm not going to make signs anymore, and then another sign shop opens up and and comes by and sees you and says, hey, if you're not doing, you know, um, I don't hear about you much doing the signs. You took down the sign portion of your business. How much to for, to sell me that portion? Yeah, and if you know it, you can jump on an opportunity uh, versus um, that person thinking they're smart because they know yeah. their business, offering you five thousand bucks. You say yes. Yeah, when you could have gotten fifteen. Yeah, I love or that. Or whatever you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So so now let's let's change hats a little bit. It's, okay. it's part of the same conversation. We've talked about kind of the basics that it takes to get a business ready to sell, and what that might teach you. Now put yourself in the buyer's shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say that you um, you didn't want to start your custom apparel business from scratch and buy equipment to learn the process and set up a website. You didn't want to do all that stuff. You wanted to uh, buy a business that was already going. So what is it that you're going to want to know about those um, about that business to make you feel good about purchasing it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, when I did a poll on the custom apparel startups group, the number one answer was that three years worth of financials. Okay. Right? Because if you're going to buy somebody's business, the first thing they're going to ask you, you're, you're going to want to ask them is, how much money did you make? Yeah. Right? How much did you, money did you make for the last three years and what's it look like for this year? Yeah. And, and if the answer is not good, then you're just going to move on to another business. Yeah. Right? Because you don't want to get something that's failing. Uh, if the guy's not making money, then he's not making money. Um, They'll also want to kind of go through uh, these four or five things uh, that we'll talk about right now. And that is, um, they're gonna wanna see your book of business. Now this is an average person. The professional flipper business buyer who's just collecting businesses is going to start and end with your financials. Yeah. Right? Um, but as a regular person that wants to get into a business, you're gonna wanna know um, how much money did you make for the past three years? How many customers do you have? Mm -hmm. And is that growing or declining? 
That's something that we look at at Coleman and Company every month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many new customers came in to buy stuff? You know, how many packages did we ship? Um, so how many customers do you have now? How many new customers every month? Mm -hmm. So um, if you, uh, I did an article on this, it'll be published soon, and there's a video on how to do line charts in there, but if you were to look, how, how valuable would it be if you looked at a business and saw, oh, look at the number of new customers every month. Mm -hmm. I'm getting more new customers every month, or I'm getting less new customers every month. You know, over the past three years, you can really get a good idea of growth from that. Yeah, right? and, and um, it's, there's a lot of interesting things I think you get out of that because you start to realize where is your business shifting towards less getting less customers, but they're bigger. Yes. Is your business shifting for getting more customers, but they're smaller, yep. you know, or some sort of mix of that. And um, then that might influence what equipment you want to invest in and or what changes you want might want to make. You know, you, you've had this dream of opening up a storefront, yeah. right? And But are, if you're getting lots of small customers coming in, maybe that storefront's a really good idea. Yeah. The walk-ins, in and out, you know, you're going to to continue to flourish that. Uh, on the other side, if you're getting towards having less customers and they're bigger, maybe you want to go to an industrial park because you're going to want to get more equipment. It's you're going to want room for four DTG printers, yeah. not one in a corner of a, of a, a retail shop. Listen, I, I swear on the same day many times in one of our groups, one person will say, um, hey, I'm thinking about investing in a retail space mm -hmm. to sell. And half the people will say, best decision I ever made. Yeah. And half the people will say, I just got out of mine because all of my customers are coming in online. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. so so knowing that is ideal. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, the idea of, you know, who your bis, bis, biggest customers are and what percentage of sales are they. Yeah. You know, that, like if I'm selling my business, what I want to say is, you know, I did $20,000 a month. And um, my biggest customers order about $2,000 a month from me. Because if I say I do about $20,000 a month, then my biggest customers order $18,000 a month from okay. me. Okay, yeah. Right, so that means you're really vulnerable. Yeah. If you do a good business, but 80% of it is the local university, then one customer making a different decision is the end of your business. Yeah, and it puts you in trouble. And, yeah. And that's... Um, what's what's great about knowing this is is you learn that, and it doesn't mean um, you need to to immediately jump into fear mode. What am I going to do? Right. Because it's they're probably not leaving you tomorrow, you know. But they might one day. Yeah. So if you are doing things to say, how can I get another university? Yeah, how that's can I get, it. Um, a bunch of smaller schools because I can tell them the big universities my customer and they want to, you know, they might follow suit to, to what they're doing, you know, I, things like that. That, that. That's a great approach. And, and I think like if you look at these and you say, oh, how many new customers do I have every month? That's going down. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even though you're making good money, the number of new customers coming in is going down. If you want to grow, you need to get those back. Yeah. So, you know, what was I doing before that brought me in new customers? Is there something, maybe that's an area that you need to focus on is bringing in new customers, not just marketing to existing ones. Um, how many returning customers do you have? If you were to see that on a line chart every month or every quarter or whatever it is, you might realize that some of your some of your bigger customers are leaving 
you know, slowly mm -hmm. a little at a time and you might notice. And I, what I see about a lot of this too is I see there's two things to, that you learn about your business when you're doing this that you might think you know. Yeah. All right. One is um, what your niche is. So we talk about doing niche marketing and you might say like, oh yeah, I do spirit wear, right? But when you actually look at all your numbers and your number of customers, because you do spirit wear, but you also do like business stuff that comes in, right? right? Local business. You start looking at your numbers, your income, your growth. The number of spirit customers you have is stagnant and yeah. the income may be stagnant or declining. But the number of small businesses that corporate wear has been increasing over time. Yeah. And you keep telling everyone you're a spirit wear company, but in fact, you're growing into... A, a corporate wear company, Man. which is fine, right? And if you don't want to be a corporate wear company, then you say, well, what am I doing that's causing all this corporate wear to come in and the spirit wear to not be coming in? Yeah. And you could flip that. Um, but, and, that but that's super important. Yeah. And, and then, and then, or you can just say, you know, just reevaluate and say, you know what? I'm just not going to call myself a spirit wear company anymore. I'm going to say that I'm a, that I just, I don't know, custom, apparel. Yeah, custom yeah. apparel company or that, uh, you know, we're, we're we'll change the name of the business to customize it yeah. instead of spirit wear or us, you know? Right. Um, and then you know, like <laughs> those businesses name, um, I, will you buy those URLs? If they're I will. Okay. Absolutely. Um, no, but so, um, that, that was, uh, one portion of it. And then they, what was the other one I was thinking of? Oh, just in general, knowing, um, what your like what your customer profile is like yeah. um because again we've talked about in the podcast before where you kind of evaluate who your customer is and you market towards them um like oh you know my customer is mostly you know moms like soccer moms and hockey moms and stuff like that and you yeah. kind of are marketing towards that but you start looking at your numbers and you realize that dads are buying just as much as the moms are so why don't you, maybe you could shift your language to be more, uh, you know, dad friendly, Yeah. you know, to get them more excited. Um, and then therefore you're just improving the overall health of your marketing. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot Listen, you can do with that. I, I and, and this is, this only happens when we're doing something that we talk about all the time here on the podcast. And that is, this only happens, can happen if you don't assume anything. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of you right now are, are, are probably saying to yourself, well, I already know that all my business comes from X. Yeah. You know, I already know that all my customers are um, local. I already know that they're all women. I already know that it's all yoga, pants, yeah. you know, and hey, maybe you're right, but prove it. Yeah. You know, line out. We do this all the time. Um, we did it a week ago for our, our UV sales. Our UV printer sales are way up. Mm -hmm. So we're going through each um, UV printer buyer, if you um, are one of those, thank you very much. Um, and we're looking at what industry they're in and what what source did they come? Did they come in through the website? Did they mm -hmm. see an ad? Did they, did they call us? You know, and all of those things are part of this. If you were buying a business, you would want to know all that. Yeah. Right? And, and it kind of leads into this last exercise. Mm -hmm. And if we, before we start yeah. that, I want to just offer a challenge up for that okay. concept because um, if you say, I know that all of my um, customers are women in their 30s, yoga, local, all those things, I would challenge you to find, to segment that down then. Oh, good one. There's, you yeah. can always segment down. So can you segment down like based on, is there a specific communities within your city? 
that they that you basically buy. Yes. Is there a particular income bracket that you believe that they're in? Um, it, like start breaking that down further because yeah. what you could do is you can you can learn more from that customer base and you might say I mean it, it could be anything you could just say that's a really it's good mostly point. actually it's mostly like well-to-do Hispanic women that I'm getting to right well you know is is there another segment of women that I can try to market towards and get and capture some of that business I like I like that so a lot. if even if you know there's a level down further you still don't know yeah I mean, that down, you can only do that you can only find out by picking apart the data picking apart the data absolutely so this next part is is kind of um, it's a wish for me I wish all you guys would do okay. this. Um, and that's imagine for a moment that you are in the market for a custom apparel business and you may have bought one yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you look at two and one of them gives you, hands you three years worth of QuickBooks and tax returns mm -hmm. and pictures of the inside of your business. And the other one hands you a manual of how the business runs, operates and makes money. Mm -hmm. And you know, imagine if you had a manual when you first started your business that had have chapters in it like, here's how everyone gets trained on new equipment. Um, here's what the startup procedure is every morning. Here's what we do every morning. Mm -hmm. Here's how we process an order. You know, here's how we answer the phone. This is, this is where all of our suppliers are. This is how much every supply costs. This is um, what our shutdown procedures are at the end of the night. Um, this is how we take orders. Yeah, you know, I like um, that a lot. This is how we get an order from when it's placed on the phone or online all the way through production to shipping. This is how we ship things. This is how we keep track of customers. You know, imagine that there's this whole book of the story of your business mm -hmm. um, and, and what writing that story yourself would mean that you're looking at and were aware of to improve. Yeah, uh, this is really an, an amazing, it's something that I wish I even I wish I did more of, but also I, I feel pretty good about some of the things that, that I've tried to make sure that I'm doing. Yes, yeah. And I think that if your business is growing in a healthy direction, that's where you're headed to. You know what can be better, but you're yeah. also doing some where you can pat yourself on the back and say, I did that pretty good. Like that, We actually had an example this week where you came to me and a gentleman that Tom works here said mm -hmm. he might want to be involved in, in adjusting some things on how things flow online in yep. automations. Could you um, let Tom know how that works? And I said, "Oh, yeah, I have the documentation because we have it written go. down how it, all how it works." And then, I, and I know where it is. So, well, that's uh, that's the hard part. That's the actually. hard part too. Um, so I was able to send it to him, and yeah. I know that equally, I've probably been asked something similar to that, and it was only in my brain. And then yeah. there, and then I was able. Well, okay, now I have to write it down, and now I have to save it somewhere so I can access it later. Yeah, uh, because. What, what this also is going to do for you is when you do have an opportunity to grow and you say, okay, you know, I can hire somebody, I can hire another employee, oh, yeah. then you've got a little manual. And when on their first day, you don't just say, uh, just, all right, just go start folding those. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. you can, you can take Here. a piece of this manual and say, you, you're going to do number one and number four. You know, right. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you a real world example of how, you know, writing this stuff down uh, can help. If you if you want to, go to coldassy.com and look in our success stories. Mm -hmm. One of our first ones was Lori Consoli from One Stop. Oh yeah. And she bought, I think, one of the first handful of direct garment printers um, on the market that Coldassy mm -hmm. sold. And uh, they were not the easiest 
pieces of equipment to keep running well, mm -hmm. right? They required a lot of maintenance. You know, there were some tricks and techniques that you had to use in the early days specifically to get a great consistent print. And uh, she had trouble in the beginning. She was on the phone with us, etc. And by the time I did the story, it was years later, uh, you could still go in and see next to those printers was their startup procedure oh, and their okay. shutdown procedure every day. And since they started doing those, they never really had another problem. So it may be that as you're going through this and you pick up on the idea of, okay, here's what we do every morning when we come in and here's what we do every night when we leave, and you actually write down what's happening, you realize that you're not maintaining six out of 10 pieces of equipment. Yeah. And that's causing you um, errors and tech support calls and you're wasting ink or toner, uh, you're wasting paper because those procedures aren't aren't filled. Yeah. You know, so that that's just just one small example uh, for two of how writing this stuff down um, can save you uh, can save your business. Yeah, and because and and if you don't write this stuff down, you're going to forget. We everyone thinks they're infallible on memory, right? Because yeah. all the things you've forgotten, yeah. you forgot, you forgot. Yeah, because they're not in your brain anymore. So, um if you when you write this stuff down and you consistently even if you have it memorized, you know you're still you know referencing referencing this back, double yeah. checking yourself. And when you do that stuff, then uh, like when you mentioned Lori, um, they had other people operate equipment at some point. Oh yeah, time, all the time. Which means that they just said you do that. Yes. Every there time. You go. Um, it's the reason why a lot of. Um, a lot of retail stores or big big box stores and stuff like that, they have various degrees of checklists that need yeah. to be performed every day yeah. by different departments. And they physically go through and check this and Man. sign it every day. And then, you know. Imagine if this was part of your, you know, again, like imagine you're buying this business and you don't know anything about it. What would be the value of in that manual? Oh, here's our daily startup procedures. Yeah. With checkboxes. Here's our daily shutdown procedures, what we need to do to keep everything running. Yeah, that's great. Um, there, there are a couple of questions that we talk about in a lot of different ways that I would want in that manual if I was buying your business. And the first one is, um, how do you keep track of your customers? Mm -hmm. Because imagine you're going into a buy to buy business. So how do you keep track of your customers? Here is the printout of my customers from QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. Or here is a, um, here's the CRM that we use with all of our customer information. Mm -hmm. Because just, if I look at a customer named Bob Smith and they ordered $10,000 worth of shirts over the past two years, that's all I know about Bob. Yeah. Right? As a new person coming in, and if you've got more than 50 customers, then you're not going to communicate, oh, here's Bob likes to ski. Yeah. And he, he's really picky. He hates, um, he hates flannel and polyester shirts. Yeah. So don't quote him on any of those. Like, what would be the value of you if you go, hey, listen, here is... Here's our customer database. Mm -hmm. It includes all of the orders that they've placed, their birthdays, and a few notes about Bob from dealing with them over the years. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is 10 times more valuable than, oh, look, line 12 is Bob Smith. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just like when um, uh, being in sales, if you're going to hire a salesperson yeah. or um, shift your business where somebody's going to start selling. Um, I... There are two that I can think of in my life where I went into. I got a job at a uh, mortgage firm many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I got, uh, at this point in time, 2005 or something, I don't know. I just got a, I got a sheet of paper with a bunch of names yeah. and then some access to 
um, a customer file database that was just like old applications. Like it was just like, I had no clue what was going on. Right. And then I got a job at Wells Fargo, which um, obviously is a much bigger company, you know, um, and they had a full CRM. So when I was given a desk and access to files, I went through and I was able to see in the notes, you know, okay, the person who sat in this desk, I'm like, oh, okay, he just talked to Barbara in the summer yes. and he wrote in there, she's going on vacation. She was considering, um, you know, buying a new house. When she at the end of the summer, when the kids go, I saw yeah. that right there. Yeah. Um. And and then it even said where where they were going. I think. Right. So so I, I would I would say you know ask you this question: If you were buying a business, how valuable would that be? Yeah. And it's valuable. It's valuable because it's not just the person on the phone or the one key contact in a company that knows everything about the customers. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can spread that around. You can give this information. To a salesperson to help improve your business, yeah. Or as you collect this information, if you don't already have it, you're going to be reintroduced to people that you haven't talked to in a long time and wonder why you haven't filled in the blanks. Yeah, that's you great. Know, of the stuff that they like. And you know what I think about with like the CRM being an example. A couple of these examples are um, upgrades that you might make in your house that don't necessarily change the value of your house at all, but they change um, how. Um, easily it might sell. Yeah, absolutely. So one might be, oh, or I'm going to upgrade my um, the controller for my AC and HVAC is broken. Well, you might buy the Nest one, mm -hmm. right, which is electronic, connects to your phone, all that stuff. Or you can just buy the generic one, yep. right, and you save 150 bucks. Is that going to, that $150 or $300, whatever you spend more, doesn't it's not going to change your value of your house by 300 Right. But if somebody walks in and they're like, Nest, cool. Yeah. Immediately, that's one more click. And that's what this is, um, I think, as well. Like the CRM absolutely might may or may not offer any real dollar value. No, definitely not. But it's a, it shows your business is really healthy um, in a lot of different ways. And it helps, it, it offers good perception. Yeah. You know? If you, if you think about being handed the manual for your business and yeah. that's part of it, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, the, the other one I wanted to, wanted to hit here is... You know, one of those chapters on how you run your business has got to be um, what you do to market your business over time. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. so your website and how is that handled? Are you doing advertising? Are you doing shows? What's the calendar? What's the schedule for doing those mm -hmm. things? So if you are buying a custom t-shirt business, um, to have a manual that says, we've done these four events for the past four years and they're very successful. We run these Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. We have these banners with these schools. You know, if you, you collecting all that information is an opportunity to go, you know what, we had a really good year in um, 2018, mm -hmm. and we did those five shows. We, we only did two the next year, and we didn't have that good of a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or why did we stop this Facebook ad? We're making huge amounts of money from it every month. You know, I don't remember. Yeah. It's because we had a bad cash flow month that we had stopped and we didn't have any procedures, so we never turned it back on. Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. And and I, I think this, this is a really valuable exercise that, by the way, I think is going to take a really long time to do. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that you're going to say it's worth it. I'm going to say it's it's worth it, and not only is it, and it's not something that has to be complete and wrapped up with a bow to be worth it. Okay. All Every right. step, the the you know, it's like we like we say, 
the fact that you're listening to a podcast about making your business better, your business will become better. Yeah. You know, the idea that you're looking at things from this perspective, that you do these individual things, like start, write a chapter in your book. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just tomorrow morning, you write down everything you guys do when you first start up the shop. Yeah. You know, um, even if it's the end of this month, do inventory. So you know, do so do things, and you can do these things just slowly over time because there, there's not a race of when you have to finish there, it. There's not, but, you know, you got to balance that to, to actually doing it. To doing it. Yeah, yeah you have to do it. You have to fit, yeah. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't just do, like, you can't just do it, ah, oh, I did that. Like me, sometimes if I'm listening to a great podcast about doing something cool on the internet, um, it's like I already did those things. Oh, yeah. Because now I know how to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not, not the same. You've got you've to actually So uh, one thing you could do in order to actually make yourself do this is, um, go, well, for one, you have to go to the show notes because there's a lot more in the notes than what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so start there. And then you could throw some things on your calendar to do. So you read some of this notes and then like you that. say, okay, August 1st, I'm going to do this. Yep. August 20th, I'm going to do it. Look, look in your calendar for times that you know are slow or you don't have scheduled things and schedule in a couple hours to do this. So on August 2nd in the morning, yeah. I'm scheduling. And then what's great about it is you um, you don't have the, because ex- what, what, what will happen if you don't manage your time on this is you're going to say that I'm going to do it at the beginning of August. And then you're going to get a bunch of business yeah. and you're going to be slammed and you're not going to do it. So if you write in two hours on from 8 to 10 a.m. on August 2nd that you're doing this and then now you have business coming in, that's a time that you blocked out that you realized is important. Yep. Tr- trust yourself from the past. Yeah. We're and, the and then you just plan, okay, well, I'm not going to promise somebody I can deliver them by 10 a.m., It'll be it'll be there by noon. Yeah, because in that just first two hours, I got to do hours. something. Um, just like anything else, you know, yeah, that I, you're pl- that you're skin. You can't schedule two sales calls at the same time, and they're both important. Stick to it. I also like the idea of getting on the phone with your accountant if you have one, and asking them to prepare two or three years worth of financials, mm-hmm. so you can take a look at them yourselves, and then ask them to explain it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's and, great, and it's probably going to cost you a bit of money. Yep. You know, so figure out how you can afford that. Right. If, if, if you can't do it all in this month, you can cash flow it out, right? You can yeah, say, hey, I would like do last year's financial yes. in July, and then in August do this, and then in September do that, and now you've got three years done, and you were able to, to finance it yourself by yeah. just doing it in a time frame you could, because that cash flow is important. Right, you can't. You want to go negative because you wanted to have, see this tomorrow, right. especially if your business isn't for sale. I guess. Yeah, don't, um, don't do it during tax season. Um, okay, I would say oh, that don't do it during tax season. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, do it. So, so the um, I would say that um, I wrote a, a super long article about this. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, there's we're gonna have a video of the podcast. I did a quick video on how to use um, uh, Google Sheets to do line charts. Oh, I saw that, yeah. So you could figure out, you know, I mean, how do I look at this stuff over time? Super useful. Um, and and do these things because like, like we try to do with every podcast, you know, if you listen to what we mm-hmm. are saying and you do them, uh, you know, it may not change your life, but you might get the opportunity to change your business. Yeah, I, absolutely. And um, if somebody who listens to this did all of the things we talked about, in all 130 whatever episodes, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, they would see a significantly 
different business than the person who's doing none of this stuff and shooting from the hip all yeah. the time. They're and, going, and they'd be exhausted. Yes. Be exhausted. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening again. This has been Mark Stevenson from Coldessi. And Mark Vila. You guys have a great business. Thank you.